you are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach, and although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And I want to welcome Adrian Johnson to the show. And we just had this wonderful pre-conversation before we even got into today's conversation. So I'm really looking forward to what she's going to share about scaling your freelance business part-time. Because when you start out as that solopreneur freelancer, it can be really rough and it can be hard to kind of get that traction you need to get that consistent money coming in, especially if you're doing it as a side hustle. So that's why I'm excited for today's conversation. Now, Adrian is a presentation designer who specializes in helping clients visualize their content in PowerPoint for the purpose of landing new clients, educating existing eternal or external clients, or securing investment capital. And Adrian's current clients, this is a very impressive list, include Meta, Microsoft, Samsung, and Marriott. Additionally, Adrian coaches other presentation designers on building their successful presentation design business. Welcome to the show, Adrian. Thank you, Kim. It's great to be here. So, Adrian, you're new to the podcast, so I'd love for you to take about five to seven minutes and just share your story with us. You know, that's a very interesting bio we just read, and I'd love to hear how you got to do all that amazing stuff. Absolutely. I'd love to share it with you. So uh, my background is in marketing and operations. I was working in small to medium-sized businesses in the Atlanta area at the time that were now in Seattle. And I started out, you know, I was in a full-time job. My daughter was about five years old. It was not the perfect environment for me. And it was the first time that it ever happened in my career. I was like, oh, if you just work harder, learn more, like you can make anything work. It never occurred to me that I was in the job for over three years. And I just kept, oh, I'll learn this and I'll do this and I'm, I'm going to figure this thing out. And I finally just had this real moment of realization one day. I came home and I said to my husband, I was like, this is never going to work for me. And it was nothing wrong with the people or the environment. It just wasn't the right fit for me. And so I said, I'm going to go in tomorrow and I'm going to give my notice and I don't know what's going to happen. Like there's a chance they're just like, get out. I was like, but I do a lot. So I think that there's likely a transition that happens and it's, you know, several months. And then we ended up working on a four month transition plan. This was at the end of 2017. And I was interviewing and not really getting any traction, anything that I was interested in doing. So I, I was like, I got to make money. And so I was like, let me get on Upwork, start a profile and see if I can, what I can do. I have lots of skills, you know, what's out there. And I started in the design space. I had just as a function of kind of being in marketing and operational roles. And in hindsight, you know, those things you look at in hindsight with your experience and you turn around and you say, how did I not see that before? But back in college, I would spend more time on all my reports, making them look pretty than caring what they said. And on weekends, I was learning how to use Photoshop for fun as a hobby. Like it never occurred to me, 
maybe there's something more here. And I still will tell you, I majored in chemistry. I still struggle to consider myself a creative person because I think of myself as so analytical, but it really does kind of inform the way that I design and, and my process. So I got on Upwork and I just started doing anything and everything I could to get jobs. And I actually did pretty well. So I was, uh, relatively speaking, <laughs> for someone who was just getting started, I was making like $5,000 a month, but I was working like 80 hours a week still. It was great to get the like reinforcement of this can work, but this is a little bit broken. So how do we fix it? And so I sat down, I was about three months in and I was like, what do I really want? Right? Like I want to work from home. I never thought like when I quit my job, that wasn't my expectation at all, but I loved it. That flexibility and like, you don't have to do your hair and makeup every day and you're not spending an hour and a half in the car on a commute. And so it was just fantastic. But I knew I wanted to make more money. <laughs> in order to support this lifestyle to which I've become accustomed. <laughs> and as I was like going through that, I was like, you know, as an introvert, which Kim and I were just talking about before we hopped on, I know that I'm not going to go out to networking events. And even if I go, I'm not going to engage with people. I'm going to leave as soon as I can. I just don't, it's not how I connect with people in those really kind of forced environments. And from a marketing and sales perspective, that was going to be a real struggle for me, which was mm. part of the appeal of a platform like Upwork where clients are coming and you can just raise your hand and say, hey, I'd love to help. The thing that I saw with Upwork was it wasn't necessarily going to get me where I wanted in terms of revenue, right? It's, mm. It is a freelance platform. I wasn't really able to convey as much authority as I wanted on that platform. And there were little tweaks like when I would send a submission to somebody, I would always redirect them to my website so that they could see that I'm like a real existing presence that exists outside of Upwork to hopefully kind of convey that. But I started we thinking- You have to be careful doing because Upwork doesn't like that. They don't like that. I will say like, I never got into any trouble for it. And I never, I never took clients from the platform, if that makes sense. Like I wasn't, mm -hmm. oh, contact me here instead of Upwork or anything questionable like that. But it was just, here's my portfolio, but it existed on my site. But yes, you definitely do have to be careful about that. And certainly that was five years ago. So things have probably changed there as well on their expectations. But I said, you know, I am an introvert. And so how am I going to attract these clients in a way that's going to work for me? If networking and social media are the ways to go about it, I'm not going to have a job. <laughs> and I actually went and I searched presentation design in Google. And I got to a page of results. And I said, these must be the cream of the crop in presentation design. And that was my expectation, right? That Google knew exactly who the best presentation designers were. Bless my naive heart. No, it's those people knew how to set up their website in order to rank. And some of them weren't even presentation design pages once you start like digging into them. It was people who just coded their site to rank. So it was like not competitive at all. And so I said, okay, I'm, I took a course on how to optimize my website, get some backlinks. That was April of 2018. And by July, I'd started getting leads to my site. And I will say that's I was specifically targeting low volume because it's just me. I'm not running a whole agency. Low volume, low difficulty keywords. So to rank in three months was, it was because I targeted that specific area. That's not something you're likely to do in most cases. But within three months, I was ranking and starting to get clients. Now, I will say between that April and July, I allowed my revenue to drop pretty significantly. So I went down to $2,000 a month, but I was working on really making an investment in the business, right? I was working on the SEO and writing blog posts and redoing my branding and everything to really have a presence that says, Hey, when you find me, you can trust me. You want me to work with you and all that. So by September, I had built up enough new clients and all the money was kind of running through. And I hit 10, my first $10,000 a month nine months into my business, right? And really six months after like finally figuring out what I was going to do. And then by that next January, I was up to $15,000 months. And just this last year, I averaged for the first time over 20, in spite of a really chaotic personal year last year that <laughs> meant a lot of time off. So that was really exciting for me. And you know, when I think about 
that long journey. There's just so many things. We'll get to it in a second. But yeah, it's been a journey for sure. You know, Adrian, what I love about your story is, is that, you know, you understood yourself and opposed to listening to all the, you know, gurus, mentors, coaches, you know, who's saying the only way you can do it is, you know, you've got to be out networking and you got to be on social media. Now, there's nothing wrong with those. But that was not you. And so I love the fact that you were able to just really think through how you wanted to do it, how you wanted to be seen. And then you found a way to present yourself in a way that was attractive, but you didn't have to be doing those networking meetings and you didn't have to be, you know, on social media all the time. So kudos for you. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, I will say that's, I think just the biggest thing was how you make a business that's going to work for you, what your strengths are, what your limitations are. How do you fill all those gaps to really excel in spite of not wanting to do maybe the more conventional things that people say to do? Yeah. And and you know what I, I really liked about your story was, was that, you know, you, instead of trying to tackle Google from the big end, you tackled it from the small end. You found that, you know, the low traffic, but low competition keywords. Yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, we go into it and we're trying to, you know, we're trying to get the big ones and, and it's not where I, even on Amazon, like if I'm competing on Amazon, I'm competing in the small keywords. Yeah. You know, they don't get as many searches, but if you got a lot less competition, a lot less searches doesn't matter because you've got business coming in. And it's the right business is the way I look at it. Because mm-hmm. you can spend a lot of time, especially with SEO on any platform, a lot of time, effort, and energy targeting those big keywords that you may never rank for because you just can't compete with the big boys. The level of effort that it takes to rank for those things is so high versus these smaller keywords that are really specifically targeted to exactly the people you want. So your conversions are better. I always say too, like as an introvert, I am attracting clients who are also introverts who they're not going and asking for referrals. These are people who are solving their own problems. They're going to Google and they're finding somebody, right? (laughs) And they'll do their own research and they'll go check people's reviews on LinkedIn and all that stuff. For the most part, attracting clients who are my perfect fit. That is awesome. So Adrian, I know you've come prepared today to share with us about, you know, scaling that freelance business. So I'm going to let you loose for a bit and then we'll talk about it. Perfect. So I think my very first thing that I would say, you know, when you're building your business is, You just have to get started, right? I didn't know what I was doing. I had no expectation that I was going to run this business instead of just getting a full-time job. It was definitely a stopgap for me. And I think that, you know, for a lot of people, we have a tendency, especially for something that big where you're putting yourself out there to overanalyze, overthink. I don't know that I would have ever gotten to presentation design as a niche without having you know, failed realizing that doing all the things wasn't going to scale. And I wouldn't have realized if I just hadn't gotten out there that it pays better than a lot of other design niches, that it's got marketing dollars associated with it. So people are willing to make that investment. And so I always tell people, like, if you've got a chance just to do something, like even if you're in a full-time job, like side hustle it, get on Upwork. There are people who are making multi-six figure businesses on Upwork. I don't think it's very common, but it's definitely a way just to get yourself out there, low risk, your boss isn't going to know and see like, do I even enjoy doing this? And what's out there? What are the opportunities? And just start learning. What do I enjoy doing? What are the pitfalls of this thing? Because that's a huge part, I think, of really being an established and in-demand freelancer is being an authority and owning that. And the way you're going to own that is through the experience of, yeah, I've seen this a million times. (laughs) I know exactly how to solve this problem. Yeah. I actually started on Upwork. That's how I became a publishing company is my son was getting married. 
I'd already published books a few years before. My son was getting married. I was on Upwork. You know, just one of those little God-inspired moments because we really needed extra money. We also had two cars that were pretty well dead. So it was just one of those years. You know, I just had this God thought, you know, you should check out writing jobs. And I couldn't believe what people were paying for writing jobs. And so I started taking on writing jobs. And because I was already an established author, you know, my books had good reviews. People just started hiring me. But, you know, one of the things I learned about Upwork was when I sent my cover letter in, when you apply for a job, there's an area where you can kind of write out like a cover letter. Yeah. So I never made the cover letter about me. Yep. I always made the cover letter about the client and the struggles that they were facing. And, you know, it was about me because I talked about the ways I could help them. But I structured the letter about them and I made it interesting. You know, I, I made it kind of almost like a story. And then at the end, it's like, you know, if you want to work with someone who understands where you're at and has the experience, you know, th then that was a call to action. But my cover letter was never about me. So there's a hint and tip. If you're on, on Upwork, don't send out your professional resume that you went to blah, blah, blah school and blah, blah, blah school and you worked for blah, blah, blah company. If you want to stand out, you got to show that potential client that you know who they are and you understand their problem and you can provide a solution. 100%. Not only that, but if you've ever been on the buying side as a client on Upwork, you know how many proposals you get that are just canned where people haven't even read your post. They're just, I can help you with this. And you're like, when someone takes the time to say, Hey, I see your problem. I'm going to ask some thoughtful questions. I'm going to tell you what I can do and you know, what the timeline is. All of that is super, super, it evokes trust, right? Yeah. Okay. Adrian, I'm okay. sure you got more for us. I got more. So the other thing I would say is, you know, really be intentional about what you're building. And that's not just at the start. And sometimes we're going to do things at the start of our business, right? Because we need the experience and we need to build our confidence and learn. Always keep in mind what it is you really want and what you're really building too. I could have worked, you know, and I think Upwork gets a bad reputation in many ways for people working too many hours for too little money. I could have done that, right? It's it's a trap on Upwork or anywhere else. If you're not willing to raise your rates, you're not willing to have those tough conversations and keep elevating your expertise and the way that you're positioning yourself, you can get stuck in those lower tiers. And so, but you could also get stuck where you're not happy. You've built a business that isn't actually fulfilling the needs that you set out to fulfill. And so I tell everybody like, being really intentional and thoughtful about where you want to go. And it doesn't mean you're going to be able to get there, you know, this month, this year, maybe in the next five years, but have that long-term vision for where you want to go and set up some milestones, some opportunities to evaluate it. If that's quarterly, if there's networking groups, even as an introvert, right? Like I have little groups that like I meet with that are kind of accountability partners. You know, I have, <laughs> we'll talk about what our prices are and like, oh, somebody's paying that, like, wow, like that's great. And, you know, rising tides lift all boats, <laughs> as one of my old bosses used to say. I think it's really powerful. So get that reinforcement, right? And insight. And so we get on calls once a week and it's, hey, I have this thing with a client. Like, will you read this email I'm about to send? Or how would you handle this? And just kind of brainstorming and keeping each other accountable too, right? To this is, we can all do this together. And it's really amazing, especially when it's people in your niche, because presentation design is a unique niche and that most designers prefer the Adobe suite and those tools, and they don't want to work in PowerPoint or Google Slides. So for those of us that do, it's not really competitive. Like we're highly collaborative because we work together on events and projects. And so if this isn't the right fit client for me, I'm going to refer it to you. So it's a really interesting place to be. And um, it really can help you 
improve your business and be thoughtful about where you're going and even have the confidence, right? I, raising rates is one of the things I know a lot of people have a hard time with. Um, and I'm like, if you haven't raised your rates in 2023 already, you're losing money, right? Inflation's been too high. Like it's scary to do, but you kind of have to, if you want to stay in business. You know, you brought up some really good points there. And, um, you know, one of them is, is even though you are a solopreneur freelancer, you have built community. And that is really important when you're working on your own. Even as an introvert, you need community around you. Now, as an extrovert, your community is a whole lot bigger, but as an introvert, it's smaller. But you need those people. You need those collaborators that you can connect with, you know, those people that are on the same level as you. When you're an entrepreneur, there's some days you just want to quit. But if you go to your family and you say, I'm having a rough day, I want to quit, they're like, oh, dear, that's okay. If you quit, it's okay, right? You know, you go to you go to your community and they're like, yeah, suck it up, buttercup. We've all been there, done that. You know, they give you they give you the gentle swift kick, right? And yeah. they remind you that it is doable. You bet they listen and then they say, Yeah, time to suck it up. Come on, get back at it. <laughs> exactly. And they'll help you problem solve, right? Our little group, right? Like, hey, leads have been quiet. Like, so when we've got extra leads, you know, we send it to them and things like that. Like you can if you're not out there and having those conversations, then it's a detriment to your business. You're missing yeah. opportunities. And, you know, you were talking about raising your prices. And I think a lot of raising your prices, especially as that solopreneur, has to do with how you see yourself and your self-worth. And because many times you think I'm not worthy of making that much or, oh, no, I can't charge that much for that. Right. Oh, I know. I, I fought that battle a few times over the years and now I don't fight that battle anymore. When it's time to raise the prices, it's time to raise the prices. I've already decided there's a spot where I'm going to cap out at what I charge unless inflation or, you know, something forces me to go higher than that. But I've already decided where I want to cap out at. And that's because I want to work with a specific target market. And if my prices are higher than that specific cap, I'm going to work with people I really don't want to work with. But I haven't hit that cap yet. And I'm working up to it. <laughs> it's got to be who you want to work with. And where does all that fit? And how does it all play together? Yeah. You know, at first it was hard. Like even raising my prices $500 was like, <gasps> you know, for writing a book. And now it's like, it's usually several thousand when I raise it. Um, but I had to, one of the things someone said to me was, was that raise it as much as you're comfortable at another 3%. And so that's what I started doing in the beginning until I got comfortable with raising my prices. You know, after a while, it just wasn't an issue anymore. But raise it what you're comfortable and then challenge yourself a little bit. Absolutely. What else have you got for us, Adrian? I think that the other thing to do is to find, you know, not to feel like because of what all the gurus are saying, right? This conventional wisdom and thoughts. And that may work for a lot of people, but don't let that limit you, right? Try to find other people who are doing things other different ways if that's not appealing to you. I can't tell you how many times I've gone on TikTok and tried. I really do try, but it's hard <laughs> every time. And so the second something comes up, it's a busy week. I just stop, right? <laughs> Because it's, it's not something I want to do. And so really trying to just do the research, get out there and see kind of what you're seeing in your niche, how people are getting clients and how they're networking. And again, like you wouldn't think about it, but peer groups are a great way to get referrals. Like, mm -hmm. especially if everyone's really good about saying, this is my target client, this is my target client. You can refer them across 
across ways um, to the right person for them, whether that's on a price perspective, creative perspective, just a personality perspective, that's important in business. And so, you know, I just can't imagine if I hadn't found SEO. I mean, it was a game changer for my business, right? I could be really selective about who I worked with. I met all kinds of big name clients that I would not have otherwise met who just found me. And I was able- Yeah, because even big name companies use Google. (laughs) They do. And it's interesting too. I mean, a lot of people think, oh, you're like contracted at the corporate level. For the most part, like I'm on sub teams in all of those companies, right? Where it's somebody's chief of staff is like, we got to deal with this. And they go and they onboard you into a contract and you're working with them. And then you get an introduction to another team because somebody saw that deck and they're like, oh, that was great. Who, how did you guys do that? And so you get these referrals and you kind of branch out over the years. And then another interesting thing is, you know, once you have those relationships and they're the right people, those people will get new jobs. They'll go to different companies and they'll call you up over there too. And so I was looking this year, my average of my top 10 clients, my average relationship out of a five-year business is three and a half years. Because even those clients who have moved have just said, hey, come over here. And so you're not losing that revenue because they've gone someplace else. Yeah. Because I'm a publishing company, it's a little bit different. But, you know, a very high percentage of my clients stay with me and they will not go with anybody else to do their books because they know that I'm the right person. I've proved that, you know, I'm the person that they need and I care about them. Right. It's not, it's not just a job. They, they all become like extended family, man. I got so much family right now. It's, (laughs) it's amazing though, isn't it? Those relationships. And I had a client at one point, they were asking me to do some work that was really outside of presentation design. And I said, I need to understand it's going to take me too long. It's probably not going to be as good as you need it to be. And here's my rate for it, which isn't cheaper. (laughs) And she said, we trust you. We trust that you'll figure it out, get it done. And I can't, she's like, what it would cost us to go try and find somebody else and potentially miss our deadline on this is too much. There's no price tag we can put on that. And I think a lot of clients feel that way, right? Like there is the sense of trust. I always say, you know, part of the rates that that they're paying is for that trust and just like that ease that comes with, I can send this to somebody and know they got it. I don't, it's off my plate. I don't have to worry about it. They'll get it back to me on time because you've built that relationship. And that's really huge. And those ongoing relationships for me are still, they were something like 65% of my business last year. It wasn't insignificant, those ongoing long-term relationships. And those are just the big ones. That's not even all the littler ones. The thing is, is that, you know, I don't want to use the word stats, but it's commonly known that it's a lot easier to get more business from existing customers than it is to try and get new customers. We've got a couple of minutes left, Adrian. Do you have one more quick point for us? I think my last thing would be just to get started. And I know I kind of, that's really just maybe reiterating what I've already said, but just try, right? Put yourself out there. And there are ways to do it and be kind of subtle. So if you are in a full-time job, but if that's your dream, don't overthink it. Just go get started and see how it all comes together. Because every entrepreneur you hear from, that's how their stories evolve. I started out doing one thing or I thought it was going to be this and it morphed into that. And that's, it's really just the experience and learning. Awesome. So Adrian, if people have enjoyed this conversation and they want to connect with you, how can they find you? You can find me at designingandthriving.com. And I've got links to all my resources there and all my social profiles. So it's one nice, easy place to go. Again, I'm an introvert, so I'm not as great at social media. But if you send me an email, I always reply. Um, And so I I just love connecting with people. I realized that the other day, I was like, I will network with somebody over email all day long. Like, oh, I'm on your email list and I'll reply and we can go back and forth. (laughs) 
<laughs> but going to social media, I have some trepidation about this. Well, thank you so much. This has been Kim Thompson-Pinder and Adrian Johnston on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye now. You've been listening to the Author to Authority podcast. The extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.